Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .NET. I'm Sean Claybo, your host, and with me today, co-host Caleb Wells. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good. You just got back from Disney yeah. World, right? With the family? Yes, yes. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I ate really poorly, so I thought I would gain some pounds, but I also walked like 20 miles, you know, in three days or whatever. Did you have steps? So I got home, weighed myself. Uh, Yeah. And I was getting 16,000 steps a day. You know, it was, it was up there. Yeah. And I got home and I gained one pound. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess it worked out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the last time I was at Disney World was just after Epcot Center opened. So this was like hmm. in the 80s, mid 80s, way back. Yeah. So it was a kind of a school trip that we all paid for and pitched in. And so it was a big, large group right. that went there and had a good time. So, yeah. yeah. It was good. 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 It was good. My six-year-old loved it. So <laughs> And your six-year-old yep. self too, right? Uh, the first day or so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> all right. Let's welcome back to the show, Christoph Maxkis. Welcome, C. Chris. Hey, everyone. Nice to be here. Thanks for the nice intro. <laughs> Thank you for coming well, back. I think you're it's younger than good both to, of us. So to have, I think yes. So you're the youngster on the show. You're not an old man. Oh, no, I'm old. <laughs> Don't let the appearance uh, or the, the smooth voice confuse you. I'm a 70s kid. 70s? 80s. 80s. Yeah. Wait. I'm always getting confused. So is 80s uh, any, anyone from 70s to 79 or is 80s anyone from the uh, 80 to 89? I consider myself an 80s I think kid. I 80s to 89. But I was that because I was a teenager in the 80s. Oh, you were a teenager yeah. in the 80s? <laughs> you older than me. I am a 70s kid then. So my, yeah. my year of birth is 78. Yeah. Mine is 76. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. So I'm the I'm the youngster in the in the group. You are. I, wow. I remember the bicentennial for the U.S. So <laughs> you know, if I can make it to 110, I can get the tricentennial. Maybe. There you go. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> That's a goal. Yeah. I mean, science moves fast. That is a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Screw the 75 average uh, age. We we won 175. That's right. That's right. All right. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendev.com. What should we talk about today, Christos? Well, we we kicked off the conversation earlier on backstage. Mm-hmm. Can you say backstage mm-hmm. in the podcast? You can say backstage. Backstage. Yeah. About all we, the we things that... We had a that, private discussion in the green room. Yeah. As old people, we have a lot of experience about all the things that, that can go wrong. That we've seen mm-hmm. horrific stuff throughout our career. 
or done horrific stuff. Like I, I've mm-hmm. rolled out my own identity system. <laughs> God, God save us all. But it, it's interesting how it's 2022 and all was top 10 is still populated by the same things that were there maybe 10 years ago. And yeah. the fact that we're still making the same mistakes and it's hard. Security is hard. So mm-hmm. I would like to talk about all the things that we tend to see out there and how we can address them, how we can fix them. All right. So yeah. what's what's mistake number one that you see over and over and over again? It's like, and you just want to slap your I, forehead. I, go, oh. Dude, secrets. Secrets everywhere. Go on GitHub, mm-hmm. you'll see keys and secrets and API keys mm-hmm. and connection strings and stuff littered all over the place. Uh, SSH keys, PGP keys. Just do a search. <laughs> and It's easy to find. I mean, yeah. pl- there is to find that you can also scan the web through Google. Please don't do these things while I'm saying that stuff, but you can find web configs that are unencrypted and available through just hitting the direct URL. And these files are also indexed by Google, so it can be JSON files as well. You know, I found that Google is super powerful if you know how to use parameters and what to search for. Yes, You can find, yes. like, private Excel documents with company salaries and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... yeah. It is wild uh, what you can find on there if you know how to search, right? That's there's a, scary, there's a very great line. There's a very great yeah. line that I like to use from time to time. Hackers don't break in, they log in, <laughs> right? There they go. find credentials and they will just yeah. log in. They will try them. They can find That's them easier. in the black market. So much yeah. easier, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. easier to pay $100 to get you know, 10000 I don't know what the price is, by the way. I'm just making right. up numbers yeah. here. But assuming that you can find dumps of credentials out there and Troy Hans collects them meticulously. Mm-hmm. So if you want to find, ever want to find if your email address and your password ever made it in one of these security hacks that uh, people take dumps off, Troy Hunt, the Have I, Have I Been Pawn website is the place to be. But mm-hmm. these websites also make it to the black market where people can buy them. And what they do is they, they try to brute force their way into it. They're not even brute forcing. They're just going through a dictionary attack or they, they enumerate through all these accounts to try to find them. I had my Netflix account compromised like that. Mm. And luckily, these services now will say, hey, somebody tried to log in from whichever place in the world. And like, I'm not there. So I know right. it's not yeah, me. So I get, I, hopefully you catch it. I early. get a lot of results. But it is I getting, get a, little, a lot of results when I go to the Have <laughs> I Been Pwned and, and put in my emails yeah. and like that, you know, because it's been around for 25 years. And so... Uh, and yeah. And the, the problem is that these files that exist out there, these credentials, people are lazy or people don't have the right practices. Even in enterprises, they don't roll keys. They don't roll mm. uh, passwords. They don't change admin accounts. And therefore, something that you found that is three, four, five years old may still have access to the same, same resources, which is extremely scary. So one of the things that we see a lot is web config mm. or config files, or whichever language you use. But if mm. you are .NET developer, then you know web config, app config, and then uh, config.json, which are you know the, the places to use most of the time, will be littered sure. with uh, secrets and keys that uh, give you access to resources. So what do you think people are doing and this? Are they just, are they just right. lazy? Or they don't, they don't know? Or we, why, are, why are people putting all these secret stuff in public areas or things that go into the public? I have to say that considering that .NET, if we, if we are talking about .NET, and we know that .NET is Microsoft and Microsoft has docs. And then in our docs, we would use these bad practices for a long time. Even today, mm. like I was looking at the document about storage and the first the first recommended way of 
accessing storage or Cosmos was through uh, the, the keys, the account keys, instead of using Mazda.mt or Service Principle or Azure Active Direct Authentication for doing these. Or if you're using these keys, how to store them, store them, not store them away, mm-hmm. but store them securely with something like Key Vault or mm-hmm. a file that does not, does not make it into source control by excluding it. So unless we give guidance around that, there are a lot of developers that will go to Microsoft documentation and we'll say, well, if Microsoft is saying that I should do it this way, I will do it this way. And even though, even though there's like a massive disclosure at the very top, please do, do not do this. Keys. Don't do this. <laughs> right. People will ignore it because they try to find the solution or there will be something in Stack Overflow or there will be something else that uh, somebody wrote in the blog post. And if you're new to these things and you don't know better, okay, I need to fix this. I need to access email. I need to access some storage account. This is hmm. how I do it. And you do it and then you move on and you never go back until it's too late. So we want to encourage people to have better security practices. Absolutely. I actually, I think it's it's much easier these days to manage your secrets, whether you're using your mm-hmm. local secret store, or like you said, Key Vault, things of that nature. It's more straightforward. But we were talking about web configs back in the old yes. days, the wild, wild west, right? And there was really no simple um, way of managing those, right? And then, and then you have an application that's 10, 15 years old and that stuff's still there, right? Yep. Which from a developer perspective, it's not that scary because, right, you're just a developer. You're one person on a team of 50 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if the company sat down and thought about the security risks and vulnerabilities that yep. are inside these web configs, you know, it makes your hair stand up on end. I think, I think developers want to be secure. But I mean, they're mm-hmm. under time pressure. They, yeah. they, or they don't know. They haven't been taught to do it the right way. And quite often, being secure is harder and takes more time than you know, mm-hmm. starting and just throwing your you know, connection string in your web config and just leaving it plain text. Because then you know, yep. Visual Studio mm-hmm. didn't encode it for you. You had to do it yourself. You had to jump, jump mm-hmm. out the command line, type this thing, put in the certificates, encrypt it. And then if you want to make a change and you go back to the command line, unencrypt, make your change, re-encrypt, da-da-da. And then you had to mm-hmm. do that differently for every server you deployed to. And so that was just, right. it takes too much time. And it's like, you've got all these things that you've got to mm-hmm. implement build. and build and, yeah. and get pushed out. And it's like, screw it. I'm just going to hope it doesn't get broken into. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my firewall, you know, in the perimeter will, will store it, it will save us or disk encryption or whatever you use to uh, to save things. Even back in the day, there were some better practices, like maybe you don't use web config, but use a, a server, like a SQL server to store all, all your config settings. Mm-hmm. And then you pull your application pulls them. But it's not always applicable because sometimes you need these settings for the application to bootstrap. So it needs to be there before the application even starts and connects to SQL server. So we would come up with tools like a command line tool or a console tool or, or a, a service that would go and pull these uh, settings and put them into environment variables. And then you have to encrypt these environment variables. I, I remember I used for I used to work for a finance company where we had this kind of a, a process where we would take, we would use uh, local local encryption, if I remember correctly, what it was called. Oh man, I can't remember. It's been so long. We had a key inside the registry that only the specific account could access they use that key to uh, unlock or lock locally the files because there was an API to uh, lock lock certain things or encrypt certain things with that specific account. And then only that account could unlock and access certain things in that file system, which was insane. 
and super complex. But I mean, there were ways, but you're right. I mean, encrypting web configs was a nightmare and also only worked for your local machine. So the next developer had to do the same thing with their own certificate. And then it would it was a mess. And we have come a long way, but we still yeah. work on things out there. We still oh, have yeah. uh, old files. We still have 20-year-old apps still running and nobody's touching them because no one want to break them. So mm-hmm. also, we don't have a perimeter anymore. Many companies have moved to the cloud, so there's no firewall to protect your servers. Sometimes you run on shared resources to save money. You don't always run mm-hmm. on VMs. So now you, the problem has really transformed and you need to start thinking about how do I do this in the new cloud era? It's not as new anymore, right? It's been 10, 15 years mm-hmm. out there now, 17. So folks, I'm here with JD from Raygun. JD, you guys get like a billion errors a month. Uh, what, what are some of the more interesting errors that you've seen over the years? Oh, that's that's a good question. We certainly deal with a lot of errors. Um, a couple of things uh, come to mind. Um, when we very first launched, and we kind of expected, you know, we'd see some people sign up and try it. We actually got one of the uh, top 10 Facebook games. Remember when they were huge? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so they, one of the top 10 Facebook games, and it was between us one of the most buggy bits of software I've ever seen. And so it managed to completely blow us off the internet in like our first week of launching. Um, so we, we solved That's that why I couldn't win at poker. <laughs> Those Farmville animals. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was another uh, another one always sticks in my mind because obviously we, we track JavaScript and just like with mobile era crash reporting, you know, you can't access the end user's browser console to see errors. So you really want to track that and report it. Right. And um, I remember this one customer and uh, they um, had this really fancy animation on the on the cursor on their website. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, their JavaScript to do that, uh, they deployed a bug with it, which meant that on every single mouse move event of every <laughs> single customer they had would send a, uh, an error report to Raygun. Um, so, it, you know, working at Raygun is like dealing with a constant distributed denial of service attack and uh, doing it with style. So so if you want to know what kinds of interesting things are going on that you're not seeing in your app, you ought to check out Raygun. Um, the, they're doing a free trial right now. You can get it at raygun.com. You know, Sean, I think, I think you're right when you say that developers would prefer to be secure. I think what I've seen is just lack of knowledge. Right. They, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize what they're doing is, is wrong. Like Christo said, right. You can go to GitHub and find all these things and people just don't think about it. Right. It's, it's not your number one priority when it really should be. Right. And there are so many facets to it and there's so many new ways of getting to this information. Right. Christos brought up OWASP. Right. And you got cross site scripting attacks. You got SQL injection. You got, Right. I mean, the list goes on and on and they're coming up new ways of doing this or, or trying to manage it, but you still have to implement it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we talked about was identity server and how, uh, of course, it's now Dewin Day and all that's changed. But the changes from four to six are fairly significant. And for a lot of companies, that's not an easy move. Right. For whatever reason, because you roll your own, you take the base. And then you're like, well, it doesn't do exactly what I need to do. So here, I'm going to write my own custom code and inject it in the middle and, and have it manage it. And then it comes time, well, we've got security issues. We need to upgrade. And you can't because you're custom code. So Christos, how would you approach that with a client or, or company that had done that? Get over that hurdle. Yeah, it's, it's definitely about education. And uh, okay. developers don't want to get things done. 
Uh, in, mm-hmm. in some cases, they think they know better. I have to say that. Like, as I said before, I built my own identity system back in 2007 when I was building a CMS. And it's because I didn't know better. Right? I would not ever recommend to anyone writing their own identity system, considering how challenging it is and how complex it is and how many attack points there are throughout the process. Whether it's uh, you know, the password reset process or the uh, you know MFA attacks. like you, you can get attacked to so many different points that you need a team of engineers to just do identity. And nobody does that. So it's something that you want to outsource. These days, if I can outsource something and I don't have to build myself, in fact, if I don't have to write code for it, let's say Logic Apps, right? Logic Apps are a fantastic tool to do a lot of automation and, solu- and solve problems where you need to glue things together. And you don't have to write any code. There's no, there's no liability there. It's a connection and some logic that you implement through drag and drop functionality or through some JSON things behind the scenes. But there's no code. So I don't have to debug anything. I don't have to upgrade libraries. I don't have to have dependencies on open source libraries that might get owned. I don't know if you saw the attack the other day on somebody managed to get keys to a TravCI and NPM through mm-hmm. GitHub repository, and therefore they had access to resources inside Travis and inside NPM, and they could wow. you know they could use these to mount attacks. They could overtake NPM packages and deploy their own code, and that mm-hmm. was through an, an OAuth token that was made available through an insecure resource. And suddenly that becomes the attack vector for everything. So there are so many different things that can go wrong that we want to outsource as many things as possible. Now, if you need, you can find things out there for everything that you need to do. Uh, in many cases, you'll need to roll your own identity, yours, not your own identity, but your own code. Mm-hmm. As long as your code is security aware, as long as you use security practices throughout your sprints, like we talk about pulling the security team early in the, in the design process. If we are planning a sprint, what are the security implications of these features that we're building? If we are deploying these things, what are the attack vectors that could happen there? I used to work with uh, Phil Stanley, one of the you know most prominent security people out there, experts. And he used to say that your largest liability in any company is your developers. Like if I want to do damage, I can inject any type of code. And if it, that code is not checked, validated, reviewed as part of the commit process, I could be harvesting usernames and passwords on the web app. I could be harvesting credit card information on the web app, sending it to my own servers. And I'm not doing anything malicious to your software, to your to my enterprise software. I am just collecting that information to sell it, maybe. And mm. people have finance needs, right? That's how uh, they get. That's how attackers get through the door. They find someone that has some some finance problems, and they will say, "We'll pay off your debts," and then. You all have, you only have, you only, the only thing they have to do is just put this USB into your PC, or the only thing they have to do is just put this, uh, this coroutine into your code. We'll do the rest, right? That's why we do security vetting in many of the high profile jobs where people have to deal with cloud resources or customer data, or whatever, because we want to make sure that the right people have the right access to the right things. And again, it needs to be reviewed regularly because people will slowly start acquiring more power, more access, more... Like I moved through Microsoft uh, in three different roles in the last six years. And the teams I was working with were wildly different. I was in in marketing, so I had access to marketing things and internal stuff that I I could see what's happening in six months' time, right? Full NDA, full non-disclosure stuff that I need to make sure that they don't leak. Now, do I still have access to some of these resources? 
Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> How do I know? Because our IT team runs uh, security reviews and identity reviews, every so access reviews, right? So, and they will say, you know what? You have access to this uh, user group. You shouldn't have any more. Please tell us why you still need to have access. And then we will gr- grant you access to that or we'll continue mm. to give you access. But it needs to be justified and it also needs to be, be approved by a manager. So most companies don't do that. They don't do identity governance mm-hmm. because it's too much work, right? It's, it's, I want my people to be able to work quickly developers having access to production systems. How often do you see that? I bet that whoever is listening here, they will say, I, I do that. I have access to our Azure resources or our AWS resources, and I can go and change things because it's my job. I have to do it. But you remember that story from the San Francisco IT admin that um, rolled out all, all their Cisco networking, and then he went and encrypted everything because he was uh, not happy with his job, and he ended up in jail, but he never disclose the data. So for like a, a whole week, they had to work. I think everybody could travel for free in San Francisco for a week, if I remember the story correctly. And then they had to pay an insane amount of money to roll new networking equipment to allow for uh, things to work. So it's mm-hmm. just insane that the amount of power that we have is too much. And yes, mo- 99% of the developers will want to do the right thing, but there's that 1% that you need to protect against. So often code reviews, access reviews, rolling of keys. I know people that had access to production systems two years after they left the job. I'm not talking about Azure Resource. I'm talking about logging into a portal that lives somewhere mm-hmm. on the web. It's just insane because nobody rolls keys. Do you recommend that, that the companies use a, use a third-party identity like Google or Facebook or something like that? Is- well, considering that most companies now need to work with multiple tools, like let's say in my company, we work with Adobe. It's a very good example. I was thinking today about how we get Premiere for free out of work. Now, Microsoft has a stroke a deal with Adobe and we get the software for free. We use single sign-on, right? I can't use uh, Adobe on machines that are not work approved. And I use it for work uh, reasons, right? We, we cut and edit videos or whatever. But it's important because I, I never have to enter a password for Adobe. It's I'm using my work credentials. I'm already signed into my work machine. And that's all through OAuth 2. All these things are happening behind the scenes. Modern protocols were invented for a reason. Uh, OpenID Connect and OAuth 2 are there because they need to support this interoperability as well and also lock down access to resources. If I can log in with my Gmail account and get access to my calendar or my work profile, can get access to my Gmail account through OAuth 2, that's perfect. I don't need to disclose secrets and what have you. So anything that you can pull for off the, the self and Obviously, I work for Microsoft, so Azure Active Directory and B2C are the tools that I would like to use. But if you can't use them, use anything that is out there, like OAuth 2, Okta, whatever tools established in that industry. Same with, I think, uh, AWS has its own identity system there that allows you to work. So please don't roll your own because it's hard to get right. And in most cases, you're going to be attacked, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. You know, single sign-on is much more ubiquitous now than it was yes. 10 years ago, right? Yeah. And so you have these smaller companies, and it doesn't mean they have to be small. They could be making several million dollars a year, right, or more, mm-hmm. but compared to Microsoft or Google or Facebook, they're small, right? Yeah. And they either don't have the money, or at least they don't think they have the money, to pay to have someone else manage all these single sign-ons for them. So they have the developers do it. And the developers mm-hmm. take identity server and they go look at the docs 
And like you mentioned, Microsoft, identity server says, we suggest you don't do this, but you can if you have multiple single sign-on clients, you need to have certain this, that, and whatever, right? So it's it's an interesting issue from both a business and a development perspective, right? Yep. And security's not that important until you get hacked. <laughs> and then it's, no, then it's your number one priority, right? So you had mentioned, and I think you actually mentioned this before we started recording, instead of rolling your own, Azure B2C is free for up to 50,000 users? Yeah, yeah 50,000 uh, monthly active users. So they can sign okay. in indefinitely for as many times as they want. And you get social media logins, custom OS2 providers, anything that supports OS2 and OpenID Connect is fair game. So if you're a startup, if you're a small company that wants to create something that people from outside your organization need to sign in and manage you know, their accounts. Like you, maybe you're selling products and you want them to sign into your web app and buy things or the mobile app. Then that's where BTC comes into play. And 50,000 accounts, I mean, it's a, it's a very large threshold and a very good problem to have because once you have 50,000 users, then there are other things that, uh, you know, you, you're probably making a profit and hopefully can pay for it. And even at that point, the benefits that you get from using a third-party service totally outweigh the, the amount of effort and work that it would take to maintain your own identity system. And most of the identity systems out there or services tend to compete at the same level in terms of money and services, the same as AWS and Google Cloud and Azure compete with their offerings. And for some certain things, that might be better and some, for some certain things, maybe worse. But the idea here is that we don't want you to uh, build your own systems. The less code that you have to maintain, the easier it is. Like talking about identity, going back to that, with .NET today, and whether you're using Azure AD or B2C, it takes three lines of code to add authentication to your system. And then maybe two more lines of code to get a token for an API service. That That's in the front end. In the back end, I didn't have to do anything other than configure those permissions and those app registrations. And again, you, we can support social media logins. It should be the same for storage. I don't want to build my own storage. We don't build SQL servers. We're like, oh, Microsoft SQL Server sucks. I can build my own. Uh, trust me, there are companies out there that have done it. There are companies that have rolled their own entity framework because they're like, I don't like entity framework. I'll use my own. And there are offerings out there. There are lots of offerings. Again, choose the one that fits your needs, like micro ORM or big ORM, whatever you want to choose, but don't roll your own because if you spend time on that, then you start maintaining tools instead of maintaining and adding value to your business. So if you can get something off the shelf and make it work for you, that's perfect. If it doesn't work for you, find something else. It's very rare. In 2022, it would be extremely rare to say, I want to do something. I bet there's no library out there that does it. I think there was a fun game that we were playing the other day where we're trying to go to NPM and think of names of packages that didn't exist. And it was like insane. You could, like, there was a dog package. There's a cat package. There's a, you find weird names, a dragon package. Like, search for them. If these names are taken, they do something. Obviously, NPM has other fragmentation issues or whatever, but you know, we're not solving new problems today. It's very rare that you're trying to solve a new problem, whether it's database, security, identity, I don't know, you name it. There's Mm -hmm. something out there that can help you build better software. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out. 
and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. All right, let's move on to picks. I'm going to go first today. And you're talking about secrets reminding me of an old movie. And I looked it up and it was 1992 with Robert Redford. It's a movie called Sneakers. I don't even remember that. But what prompted me is the, when you talk about secrets, I went, "There's, there's something about that in a movie. And I remember I looked it up. It's like, yep. The name of the company that they had, it was called C-Tech Astronomy. And that's an anagram of too many secrets. So, oh, so, man. so if you want to catch an old movie, that's really good talking about security and Robert Redford, yep, right? Robert Redford. It's got uh, Sidney Poitier. Yep. It's got Ben Kingsley, Dan Aykroyd, a lot of people in it. So it's a really good movie. It, uh, it's kind of old, but it's still a really good one. And then I'm actually going to do another pick today. And that is that the official trailer for Stranger Things 4 has came out. So it looks like season four is going to be pretty good. All right, Caleb. They said it's all over the place and all over the world. And it's going to be super fun. It's the biggest thing that I've ever done in Stranger Things. So highly recommend it. I do remember, is this going to be the last season? I remember only four seasons, I think, right? I think is what they said. Don't, Don't ruin it for us. You get uh, us excited about that's already that's this public information. Like, that's the last I'm not one. An insider, <laughs> you know, I was, I was uh, disappointed that Lost in Space was only going to have three seasons. It's like oh. I know, but I think they're going to be there'll yeah. be a spinoff. I hope of Lost in Space. Oh yeah, like Batman, right? I yeah. don't know if you watched the latest Batman, but how many reboots have we had so far? Me and my wife were talking today about how many Batmans there've been in our lifetime, right. and we're talking about which one oh, wow. was the best. A lot. Right. Yeah. Can we get into that space? Can we say which one was the best? Or can well, we choose? Be another Indiana Jones. Or, or like alienate half of the audience. Another Indiana Jones coming. So, you know, it never stops. There yeah. is? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. man. I remember, did the first one come out before or after we're born? I think it was after we're born, like in the 80s, right? Yeah, first yeah one. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's still a okay. long time ago. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It's like being old enough to see things being in reboot like two or three times, which is good. Mm. Is, is it Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones? He's going to be in it. Yep. Wow. Okay. All right. So, Caleb, what's your pick? I'm going to make it easy on myself this this week and just pick Disney World. Whether you like Disney or not, whether you like Florida or not, any you know that, your six-year-old will love it. So, <laughs> there you go. Disney World. All right. Nice. Christos? And we're allowed one pick? Always. You're the guest. You can get as many as you want. Yeah. How many? How, many <laughs> how, much, how much time do we have? <laughs> I would say uh, my first pick is uh, Slow Horses. I'm watching Slow Horses these days. It's uh, it's a fantastic TV show on Apple TV. Yeah, okay. Uh, and it has Gary Oldman. So anything with Gary yeah. Oldman is good. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. show about uh, MI5 spies and what have you. So if you like spy things, then highly recommend it. It's uh, the British version of whatever the US version can be with CIA. And uh, the second one is the Moon Knight, Marvel. The new TV series. I don't know if you um, have a chance to catch it. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. It's it's a bit confusing. Like the last episode dropped a few things, and we were like, "What?" The? Me and my wife were watching it last night, and they're like, "We're utterly confused right now." Like, I don't know what 
what is real and what is not. But it's uh, it's very well written. I'm I'm really enjoying the the last spin-offs of Marvel and making these uh, like series instead of being a movie, right? Because it's a movie, the TV it's shows. a yeah. one hour, an hour and a half, two hours, and it's done. And you're done. Yeah. At least now there's a bit of continuity. Yeah. So kudos to uh, Marvel and Disney for uh, doing that. Yeah, my wife and I really watched the it. first show and I liked it. I thought it was pretty interesting, but it was it was too much for her too out there oh. with, the, with the the weird monsters and stuff and in his his <laughs> his his uh, condition whatever is just wasn't didn't sit with her so she didn't do it but I yes mm. yes don't want to give yeah. out too much but uh, I think I saw Ethan Hawke saying that I think Blade is making an appearance in the in Moon Knight because he was asked by in one of the night shows and they were like is, is the Hulk making an appearance like no 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 <laughs> and then they were asking all, all these different characters and then they said oh no Blade is not making an appearance. I think they asked him if he's a vampire, if he's Dracula. Mm. He's like, yes, I am. So I don't know. I mean, I, ha- I have well, to see, see it to the end. But there is, um, there is a new Blade coming out. At the end of Eternals, they show the Black Knight. I think it's the Black Knight. At, you know, they yes. do the end things. And you can hear Blade talking <sighs> in that little thing. So, so that's two new movies just off of the yes. uh, little bit at the end of Eternals that are coming out. They, I mean, they, they've got it lined up for like twenty years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a cascade that's going to keep on giving, but yeah. at the same time, they're doing a fantastic job in creating uh, and like the Mandalorian. We love the Mandalorian. Mm, my, yeah. my girls love the yep, Mandalorian. Which um, yep, I just got my uh, wife a Grogu little stuffed toy for her birthday. <laughs> so. Yeah, you probably yeah. can't say it because you're it's like you see my grogu's back there oh yeah oh they're a bit blurry but uh yeah we're, my, we're a mandalorian my, house my son got a porg at disney that he says is an owl so, <laughs> <laughs> so talking, so talking about blade and being old i think i have blade on laserdisc <laughs> whoa well, there you go there you go yeah i have blade on uh vcr cassette <laughs> no i'm not you got it on a vhs <laughs> <laughs> can you play it anywhere because yeah <laughs> there you go Betamax yeah yeah HD DVD man I was an HD DVD guy and then Sony basically said no we're not gonna lose again and they just paid to make everybody use Blu-ray and HD DVD died but that's a whole nother story. welcome to the second part of the show where we talk about <laughs> being old and grumpy about all the technologies that they took from yeah. us I, I miss oh. my rotary phones you know the ones with the cable that you can take with you you know these giant things that you like <laughs> You were cr- you didn't never have the the round the, thing that you turn twenty foot you just twenty foot the curly cord with the cord yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's not the same though like you have to be tethered to that furniture that holds your phone and everybody yeah. can hear the conversation in the house yeah yeah <laughs> hey right. dad get off the phone you knocked me off the internet why'd you do that <laughs> right yeah I remember downloading yeah. my first MP3 which was uh, something like six megabytes and it took me 24 <laughs> hours or something because people were would interrupt the downloads and they had to start all over again the download speeds were like 1.5 kilobits per second Napster yep yep Napster yeah those were the I, days I remember uh, joining oh, multiple multiple Memories. 56k modems into one so that you could get double the speed training them uh, you, you used to be able to <laughs> used to be able to merge them you know together so you could you call two phone numbers with one with each, and it would give you oh. double speed, and it would. And you could, well, you would join the the yeah, packets at, that, out yeah. of the modems. Yeah. I remember going from fifty six to one two eight, or was it like a one sixteen? I can't remember the name or mm-hmm. one twelve. Yeah, with ISDN, 
And also the fact that you could get a split line that you could have your phone and your internet and in the internet. same line without having yeah. to. Oh God, those were those were the days, yeah. man. I feel sorry for our man. listeners. It lasted. Young, this youngsters long, but, will never. You know, I remember in college, I ran a BBS with a 1200 baud modem. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I had, I had a friend that had a very good idea about making money on the internet back in the modem days. You know how when you download a picture, it just starts from the top and then just like line by line, line by line. Right. But imagine if you could start from the center and open up the picture, right? <laughs> so instead of downloading from the top to the bottom, you go center and then expand. Mm. That will transform certain industries. For sure, but he was too late into his idea, and then uh, yeah. you know, SDL came in, and um, his dream was killed. Mm. All right, Man. all right. I think we're gonna call it there. I'm gonna call fun. it there. Okay, <laughs> we'll have another side show behind the back in the green room. We can keep talking about this type of stuff. But there for our listeners, if you like that, you want to touch out, uh, get in touch with us, get in touch with me. I am on Twitter. I am at .net superhero. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm at Caleb Wells Coach, I think. <laughs> All That's right. it, maybe. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> and we'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Adventures in.net. Bye, y'all. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more.